0: Welcome to the Dollar Sprout Podcast, where it's all about building a business that offers consistent income and flexibility so you can live life on your terms. And now, your host, Megan Robinson.
1: Hey there, thanks so much for being here on the Dollar Sprout Podcast. Today's guest is Jen Smith. Jen is co-host of the Frugal Friends Podcast, which I highly suggest you check out if you haven't already. Jen and her co-host, Jill, are so funny, you will literally just feel like you're having a conversation with two of your best friends. They're truly amazing at podcasting, at business. I mean, yeah, I can only aspire for the Dollar Sprout podcast to be as good as the Frugal Friends podcast one day. On top of having a very successful podcast, Jen has done a lot of other things in her business as well. She... Began as a freelance writer and blogger, blogger technically, I think. Um, she's sold online courses. She's written and sold ebooks. She and Jill host an online summit called the Frugal, the Future of Frugal Summit, uh, and we'll include links to all of those resources and more in the show notes for this episode, so that you can go and check them out. There was just so much that I wanted to talk to Jen about on our call because she just has so much experience and wisdom in all of these different areas that I just mentioned. Um, So we talked about a lot and it was kind of uh, not focused on any one topic, but Jen shared so many amazing gems about business. And some of the things that we touched on in this episode are... Jen's story of getting laid off at her job while she was pregnant and about to give birth and how she was able to build her business during that stressful time. We also talked about how you can diversify your business while maintaining a simple business model, how to attract the right people to be in your audience and repel the wrong ones, understanding the purpose of every piece of content that you create And the number one mindset shift that has improved Jen's life and business the most. And it might surprise you coming from a frugal living podcaster. And of course, just so much more that we talked about that I'll let you find out for yourself without rehashing our entire conversation. So don't forget to stick around at the end of this episode to hear my key takeaways, some thoughts, and some action items that you can take away from this conversation. I hope you enjoy this episode. Please welcome Jen Smith, everybody. Hey, Jen. Welcome to the show. Hey, Megan. Thanks so much for having me. The last time we talked, you and I had a call a few months ago, I think back in August. And on that call, I realized that you're like even more of a multifaceted businesswoman than I knew before because you've done so many things in your business. I met you like through your freelance writing when you were writing for Dollar Sprout, but you've also sold ebooks. You're like a best-selling author on Amazon, which is awesome. Crazy. Um, <laughs> you have your podcast, the Frugal Friends podcast. You guys also did a summit in 2021. That was your first summit. Is that right? hmm Yeah. Yeah. So many things that I want to cover. I don't know that we'll have time to cover all of them in this call, but I do want to hear – about your entrepreneurship story. So, you've done all of these things, but where did it start for you?
0: Yeah, so it's been it's been crazy for a girl who always had parents that worked a W2 job, didn't go to college, and we were never I was never exposed to any like business owners or even like really technology growing up to be ha- like having such a multifaceted online business and and not really investing in a lot of education and how to do it. I'm always building the plane while I'm flying it, uh, which is a blessing and a curse, as you will see from the story. <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, it started back in 2016, end of 2016, when my husband and I were paying off our student loan debt. We had about $78,000 of debt and we were a year into paying it off and we had a year to go I, but i didn't know we had a year to go i just knew that we had a lot left to to pay off and i wanted to i wanted to share my story to help people who were doing were wanting to try to do what we had been doing uh so i i knew that it was going to be taking us a long time I wasn't going to have a lot to do for at least another year. So I started writing, no formal training in it. uh, But after a few months, I was able to get kind of like a quasi internship with the Penny Hoarder. And they are, I'm really lucky that they are local to me. And I didn't even know that when I started. And so that was the first time I was paid for my writing. Um, is writing for the Penny Hoarder, and so they they offered me a job, but at that point I wasn't ready to leave the job I was working. I was a full time acupuncturist, and I really loved the field. Uh, but by the end of 2017, I was so so about like 10 months later, I was I was kind of ready to like spread my wings and see what else I could do with online business. In that time, we had. Started renting our guest room out on Airbnb, so we were making money that way. I had started designing T-shirts, and they were selling well on uh, merch by Amazon. I had released my uh, my first book, the No Spend Challenge Guide, and it was a bestseller. And so I really thought that I could uh, do more if I, you know, had some more guidance in this online business world. And, and for some reason, I thought a blog was the way to do it. Obviously, because that's I was reading that online. I was working for a company that started as a blog. And so I thought that was the way to make it happen. So I started working for The Penny Hoarder at the beginning of 2018 uh, because I wanted to see what I could learn from them and actually had to stop writing my blog since it was kind of like a direct competitor. And that's how the podcast was born, is I couldn't write, but the Penny Hoarder didn't have a podcast. So that was just very serendipitous. Um, And in early, I think March 2019, so about a year later, they had a mass layoff. And that was just a few months before I was to give birth to my son. And I realized I have been I've, I've built this stuff that was in place before the penny order and it's just kind of been passively growing and I've gotten all of this uh, this knowledge, not like insider information, but you know, like practical business information because I was focused on absorbing it versus just focused on getting a paycheck and I was creating connections and I was focused on that instead of just like working my nine to five and having my weekends. And so I had built this foundation where I was like, I don't have to go back to work. I can start my own thing. Uh, and that is, and I just really quickly put a call out to my network saying, hey, I am a former staff writer for a, you know, I think it was Forbes 500, maybe fastest growing company or something. And let me write for you. And that's how uh, Dollar Sprout reached out and I started writing for Dollar Sprout. And then I just, it kind of like all built up to where it was uh, The Balance and Investopedia and AARP and all of these like really great companies. So that was kind of the start and a long story to the start of my journey to where now I'm not doing any freelance writing and I'm just... Working on the podcast, and that's a whole other story in and of itself. How I got from there to here, <laughs> but we get we can talk about that later on.
1: Yeah, I. So we were talking about before we hit record, the like amount of work life balance you've ever you've been able to create in your business, where you know you get off work at three. Is that what you said? You stop working at three or four. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and. Yep. I don't know if you said, do you like, you don't work Fridays. Is that true? Or did I just make that up? I, for a long time, did not work Fridays. And just uh, this
0: year, I started working five days. Okay. Uh, so, that, so that's because I wanted to, not yeah. because I had to. Because yeah. I actually like what I do and I wanted to do more of
1: it. Yeah. Well, that's an awesome position to be in, right? Yeah, That's ideal. Um, mm-hmm. so. You have that work-life balance now, but what was that like? What was it like in the early days of building your business? Um, I know a lot of people talk about when you're first getting started, especially like a lot of our listeners are already working and they're working on building side hustles and businesses on top of their current full-time jobs. So what was that process like for you? Was it a hustle and grind or were you able to kind of like slowly build it over time? It's
0: it's a little different for me because I I always I rejected hustle culture but I also am an enneagram 3 achiever and so I can't not achieve like no goal is good enough for me like I have to meet and exceed every single time. So my personality is one that I can't stop. But I've never I've never been one to say like I want to be the biggest and the best. That's never been my goal. So I do now, I start work at 10. Like I work out in the morning, I take my son to daycare, and then I work till like 3.30 and pick him up by 4. And then I don't work when, after I pick him up. So that's kind of like a good, solid schedule for me. And like last week, he had hand, foot, and mouth disease, and I took the entire week off. And there was no question or stress about whether I could do that because I just did it, and then unfortunately got it myself. And, and so I really wasn't able to work. Uh, but so, so that that is that's what I have now, but it took me a big mental shift to get there. At first, I was hustling in part because I had this money this mentality where I needed to make money. To survive, I was still kind of coming out of the uh, "we're paying off debt, we need as much money as possible" mentality, which is something I had to deconstruct. And then also, I had uh, postpartum like anxiety, uh, and I I thought I need to do all of this now because parenting only gets harder, and then you have another one, and yada yada yada. And I put a lot of pressure on myself to uh, to be to excel at both work and motherhood. And that wasn't healthy at all. Uh, and so I was I was working, but I was I was doing I wrote a book uh, after Kai was born, and I was working on my blog. I was working on the podcast. and then uh, the pandemic happened. and then we decided to run a summit. And it was about the time when we got to we decided we wanted to do the summit because we're huge proponents of bringing online disconnected communities together in meaningful ways. So not just like social media as a substitute for meaningful relationships. and And we thought a summit was a great way to do that to kick off uh, the the mentorship that we run in um in a really intentional community and financial mentorship. So that, that was kind of twofold. and It was when we got to that when I realized I can't do everything. Like I was running three, essentially three separate businesses: like a a live event, a live virtual event, a podcast, and a blog. And and it was I had very little help, and I was I had a mental breakdown, and that is that is what changed everything for me. And I was talking to someone. A, a wise mentor who said, like, what if you like, what's the one thing that you want to do going forward? And it was the podcast. It was in the 80 20 rule of everything, like 20% of your effort, like is what 80% of your, you know, results come from. Some, something like that. I might get the wording mixed up. But but that the podcast was my 20 that was doing the 80% of growth in my business. But I had worked on this like freelance writing. Oh yeah, that was like my fourth business was the freelance writing. So I had built up these clients, I had built up this blog and this YouTube channel and uh, and this social media account. Like I'd built all that stuff up. So it was very hard for me to like let it go uh, because it was all it was more profitable than the podcast at the time. But the podcast was growing faster, more organically, with less effort. And, and so it was at that point where I said, okay, I have to get rid of this sunk cost fallacy of these other things in my business that I'm kind of like white knuckling. Let them go. They're not failures. They were learning experiences to get to this only doing the things in my business that I love. And now since uh, since July, that's what I'm doing. I have so much of a clearer picture doing one thing There's so much synchrony and things are growing even faster to where like next year, uh, we're going to be way more profitable with the podcast than I ever was with all four of my businesses in the past.
1: That's awesome. Yeah. And I think that really speaks to the power of focus, which I guess like... There are arguments in both directions, right? Like I hear people – some people say focus on the one thing. And in your case, I think it made a lot of sense with the podcast, you know, the 80-20 rule of the podcast, like already being so successful. And you could look at it and see, well, if I put more time and energy here, this thing could really grow. Um, But then there are also people who argue for the opposite of like diversify and do these all – like all these different things. So I imagine that was – a difficult decision, especially like when you said yeah. you spent so much time growing these other revenue streams and these other like parts of your business.
0: Yeah there there were there are areas for diversification. Even though I let go of those other things, there were areas for diversification under the umbrella of the podcast that I couldn't even see
1: mm, until yeah. I
0: let go of the the stress and the multitasking and the juggling of everything and just focused on the one thing and i i'm so glad you mentioned the one thing because i'm i am a huge proponent of um the book and the yeah. whole system and philosophy and i have been for years and i when i when i was on that call uh with my mentor and he he said it so plainly it it made me feel so stupid and hypocritical yeah. for being such a big proponent of like simplifying and focusing on on one thing that makes all other things easier or unnecessary in the future. Mm-hmm. And not even having it doesn't need to be like a a all or nothing, but just like a in the here and now sort of mentality. I, I've been talking about that in the financial field uh with financial goals and stuff for years but hadn't applied it to my business which is what the one thing like they yeah. only focus on like businesses right. and i try to interpret that for like people paying off debt and it was yeah. i mean i felt like
1: a, <laughs> like a dummy <laughs> yeah yeah i get that um but it is i mean i feel like it's also so easily to get dis- or so easy to get distracted by all the different options like I also started my blog in like around 2016, I think, which is – I forget on your timeline when you started your blog like around that time, 2015, 2016. Same, yeah, same. Yeah, and it was like – it hasn't gotten simpler, but it was like I went from blogging (laughs) immediately to, oh, I should make an online course or like what about membership communities? And then when it comes to blogging, you know – Should I focus on like branding or actually writing? Yeah, I don't know. It's just so easy to get distracted by all the things out there and feel like you're not doing enough when, especially when there are other people who are like just seem to be omnipresent across all platforms. And like, uh, I don't know. It's, I relate. It's It's so funny.
0: Yeah. Because the podcast, we put no effort into at all. Our show notes suck. Our website sucked for so long. We put no effort into advertising it or promoting it. We would get on some podcasts sometimes because we knew that was the best way to grow our listenership. And we also used uh, our, our titles for our episodes were very SEO optimized because people use podcast searches just like uh, they do Google searches. Literally, those were the only things we did just because they made sense. But otherwise, it was very not strategic at all. We didn't take a course. We didn't have like things in place. I just used my own blog email list to let people know there was an episode every week. That's it. And And that was the thing that really did it. And I think a big thing... A big part of our growth was keeping people around through our Facebook community and involving them in the episodes too. So they feel like they're part of the family. So we have our bill of the week every week where we uh, ask a listener to send in their favorite bill, whether it's like when they lowered, when they paid off, or a person or animal named bill. It's very vague and people love it and they feel part of our story because they get to participate. And we didn't know what we were doing when we did it. We were trying to be funny and authentically ourselves. And that was what people resonated. And and when I was doing my blog, I was trying to be SEO friendly and like trying to do all of that stuff. But I wasn't authentically me. I didn't even realize I could be most authentically me behind a microphone. And it has turned that that way. So I think I think it's there's no harm in trying everything out because you don't know what's going to stick for you. We we are not nobody is like an expert in who they will become. So try the things, but when something doesn't work, don't be afraid to let go of it.
1: Yeah, I think that that's so funny that you say that you put so little effort into it, but because you were being yourself, and being authentic, that's what people resonated with. Um, this is the third interview that I've done for the podcast so far, and I don't know what order the episodes are gonna come out in yet, um, but this is also the third time that authenticity has been mentioned in like building your business and growing. And yeah, I think that it—it it is so true. its It's so true, but it's also so much easier said than done I think, like you said, Mm -hmm. when you were blogging, you were more SEO friendly, but was it, was there ever a time for you even early on in your podcast where you felt like you tried to be authentic, but then you looked back maybe weeks or months later after recording content or like writing content and you were like, Ooh, cringe. That doesn't, that's not (laughs) me. (laughs) You know?
0: Yeah. It's so easy to do that. And you don't even realize that you're doing it. So I am lucky enough to have a uh, co-host and who is one of my closest friends who makes me feel like me. And that is a a huge blessing. And I think a huge reason, like part of our success is, is our dynamic. And so I go on to like other podcasts or I did when I would go into other podcasts I would I would kind of get this sense of like I have to be a podcaster or I have to be this or that and over the years now I'm just I'm like being me works so well on our show that I'll just be me on everybody else's show too and it might be a little weird but if somebody's listening to it and they like that weird that's who we want to attract to our show right so i want to be my most authentic self and we see all these people being successful on their different mediums because they can be their most authentic self on those mediums yeah. and so i think that's why we try all these different things but like i said like i didn't know podcasting was where i was going to be my most authentic me like i didn't know until i tried So it is, I think, good to try, like throw spaghetti at the wall, so to speak. Um, But, but, like, and try one at a time, though. Like, give yourself a year and say you are gonna try everything, like, for a few months throughout the year, and and see how see how it makes you feel energy wise. Because that's a big proponent too. Like, I I grew a following of seventy five thousand people on TikTok but social media drains my energy. And I'm still doing a lot. I found that I'm still doing a lot because it is something that we have ventured off into because we've, we've created our solid foundation on our show and our email list. So now we're looking to expand. Like, What's our next thing? And I was like, okay, all of our people say they want us on Instagram, so let's be there. And, I'm, and we're there. We show up and they love it and it's exhausting. So now I'm, there's there's got to be this balance to where you serve your audience, but you also preserve your energy. And maybe you don't grow as fast as the people out there that are single and don't have kids and have nothing to do except post two to three reels a day. Like It's okay that you can't grow as fast. And I talk, I talk to me when I say that. It's okay that you can't grow as fast as them, uh, you know. But you have to preserve your own energy and and put you first.
1: Yeah, I think it's such a relief personally to hear you say that because, <laughs> like, I hate being on social media. It is so draining <laughs> yeah. for me too, you know. And but uh-huh. I go through periods where I'm like, okay, you know, this is what I need to do for my business. You know, this is how I'm going to get people through the door, and. Um, yeah. And I'll go through periods of like posting a video a day on TikTok or something. And then I'll get so exhausted that I'll go for months. I'll get like, this has happened in my financial coaching business where I like, I got a handful of clients earlier this year from TikTok. Um, and then I stopped posting on TikTok for months <laughs> because it, it's just exhausting. And so I think that's great mm-hmm. advice of like, Find out what doesn't drain you. Do more of that. Focus on building Mm -hmm. that. And then, yeah, you can branch out to other things. Um, You mentioned earlier- And you can
0: hire someone to do the things that work, but you don't love.
1: Yeah. Yes. Um, You mentioned earlier diversification in your podcast. Would you mind to talk a little bit about that and the different ways that you guys have been able to monetize your podcast- Mm-hmm.
0: Absolutely. So po- many people see a podcast as an arm of a blog or a YouTube channel or something. But I think that it is a very it's it's just another top of funnel. So if you look in it funnel like sales funnels, the podcast is a way to get people uh, onto your email list. And then on your email list, you can you can build a relationship with them. To where you can serve them offers to your products that are most appropriate for them so that they will give you money and then you have a business because you do not have a business without money. Sometimes we only focus on the advertising portion of a podcast, but if you are just waiting for advertising money, you're going to be broke for a long time with podcasting. Uh, it, was, yeah. it was not until I mean, we had a couple thousand downloads an episode before we got advertisers and it wasn't until we hit 10,000 an episode that it was actually easy to get advertisers where I could like reach out to someone or they would reach out to me. And it's just like that's not attainable for everyone. So looking at your podcast as the top of your funnel and seeing, okay, how can I use How can I use this to get more people onto my email list uh, so that I can have other arms? So the Summit is an arm um, of our show. We got sponsorships from brands for that. And then we also sold an all-access pass that had like a bundle of products around that uh, from our different speakers. That was a lot of work. I do not recommend it for people starting out. Yeah. at all. We had a, a really established presence in the podcasting, you a personal finance community in general. So we could reach out to people and we've had relationships with them. So they would say yes to speaking. And same with, with these advertisers, with the brands. Uh, so it was a lot of work to put on and in a completely different website, um, set up, branding, all of that. But that was something that launched that was the thing that launched our um, mentorship, which is a monthly um, membership for people who want guidance and support on their journey to their first 100K net worth. And so we, we use it as a, um, a holistic, like an affordable financial coaching sort of thing. We don't do one-on-one uh, but we have the mentorship where people can ask us questions. They can use the hive mind, they can find accountability partnerships and groups. So that is kind of our core offering, the thing that we put the most love into mm. our, and for for our people. And then, um, so that's kind of the bottom of our funnel and the podcast is the top. So everything in between there just kind of gets people to the mentorship. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have just a lot of free, things that we give people. And people can also pay for those things. So we have like a Shopify store, frugalfriends.shop, where sometimes we'll give away stuff from there. And if you want something that's not being given away at a certain time, you can pay for it. But they're like lower cost things. So we have a super simple like monetization strategy now, which is far from where I used to be with like a bunch of High price courses, low price courses, coaching, everything, books. Um, the books I still have, and I actually just uh, wrote and um, probably released by the time this comes out the second edition of the No Spend Challenge Guide, which was like a passion project for me. I didn't need it to make money, but it was uh, something I wanted to do for fun. But so yeah, we have our our those parts of the funnel. And then we also have the advertising dollars now that are just the cherry on top yeah. um, that help us. Uh, the the um, advertising like helps us actually put more people into the to the funnel. So that's kind of the synergy of it all.
1: Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Yeah, I think that what you said is so true. People when they think about when a lot of people think about blogging or podcasting and all these different content mediums, they think about like, how can I make money directly from the content? But you're saying like for you all, you have your core offerings, you have your mentorship, you have your online summit, and the podcast is just a way just like a blog would be or social media Mm -hmm. to get people into those offerings. But not necessarily yeah. the way that you make the most money in your business.
0: Absolutely, and so like so the summit is kind of even a separate business from the podcast, though they are uh, connected. But it's it's just more ways to get people into the core offer, and like we are the Frugal Friends podcast. We are not we are our high volume, low cost business. So we're not selling. 400 500 600 dollar courses you know or or more some people charge you know a 1000 so we're not doing that we're never going to do it and so we had to just think differently so how do we reach more people get the higher volume and and get more people into the funnel and a lot of people make make the mistake of looking at the funnel backwards so they just focus on the top and and Ad revenue and affiliate links and all of that stuff is our cherries on top, uh, but your core offer is really what you should be building first, and it doesn't have to be perfect. We've just redesigned every time we launch the mentorship, we redesign it. So it started with a completely different name, completely different format six months ago, and we've just refined it based on what we've seen works and made it better. So your core offer doesn't have to be the same forever, but you should start with that and then everything you make, podcast episodes, videos, blog posts, should all be in alignment with that core offer and point, not advertise for it, but point, kind of encourage people to get on the path you want them to be in order to see your core offer as a solution. And in, in the email, once they've given you their email, then that's where you can kind of lead them more directly into the core offer. So we, we mention the mentorship on the show only in the times when we're launching, but otherwise we, we don't. But we will do episodes that lead people into the mindset and the path that our ideal mentee would be in and and so we but we don't advertise that's why we're doing it
1: yeah i think that's great and i think that that just little bit right there will save so many people a lot of time because chef's kiss like that's great advice <laughs> and i think like it's something that i personally did it's one of the things that i did so poorly myself when i first started my blog and my business i was like I didn't even know how I was going to make money, you know, like, and I didn't have a core offering. I didn't have a service. I didn't have a course. I didn't have anything. I was just like, let's put stuff out there and then we'll Mm -hmm. make money. I don't know. So yeah, I think that right there, build your core offer, know how you're going to make money, like have a plan for making money. And then all the content you create is to get people to make money or to you know, get people into your funnel to make money. Um, so, one of the other things that I did really poorly in the beginning of my business that you did really well is I started out, I spent so much money starting out, learning things, uh, paying for courses, paying for coaches when I wasn't even at a point where I was ready for a coach. I don't think. Like, I, I think going back, looking back on it, I should have waited to hire a coach, but I spent thousands of dollars in my first like year to 18 months of starting my business just trying to learn. And yeah, so I guess my question for you is you said that you did that well, you didn't spend a lot of money, but it also cost you in certain ways. So, can you talk about? What were the things you were glad you didn't spend money on? And is there anything that you wish that you had invested in sooner? Mm, yes, okay.
0: i I am somebody who who decides they're going to do something and I do it, and i'll I'll spend some time researching, but I'll do it while I'm learning. And that's kind of how I learn. i I learn as I'm doing it. And so that's been great for for online business. and I will absorb as much free content as possible. I'm frugal. I don't like to pay for things. And that is the detriment to, to my scaling. It's been really great foundationally. But when I started investing in, I started investing in a few courses, and those really helped me. I bought one for Facebook ads, which now I would never recommend anybody buy a Facebook ads course save the money and just hire it out. I spent $2,000 on Amy Porterfield's Digital Course Academy, which is I believe hands down the best course on creating courses that you can buy. Like bar none, I've heard from other people, like other experiences, best money I've spent. I don't make courses anymore, but I, I did it and I launched a few courses and knew I was doing it right. And when they didn't go as planned or uh, I didn't enjoy it, I knew I wanted more of the community building aspect versus just educational, but I had to do it in order to learn that. And I knew I did it well. It wasn't, wasn't me who was messing up. It was just what I didn't like. So when I started doing that and being like more liberal with my spending on that, things, things started to, to take off. I really waited too long to find a a mentor. I still don't have like what I would call a business coach. I have highly skilled people around me. I am part of a mastermind and I do have a lot of people around me, but I didn't have a, a, a neutral third party to challenge me in what I needed to do until this year. And I was looking for a business coach for a long time, but I just didn't want to spend all the money that they were costing. I was willing to spend some money, but I just wanted to make sure they were right for me because so many are just pro are coaching disguised as like it's programs, it's courses disguised as coaching that want to put you into a system and just like put you in one side and spit you out the other. And so that's not what I wanted and so i have had to get creative in how i piece together that mentorship and and that is what has that journey is what has inspired our membership to be that affordable alternative to mentorship for people who don't want to get like a financial coach or you know don't want to just be a cog in a, in a wheel of courses So that that journey shaped what I now offer our listeners. So I'm glad I went through it, but I did wait a long time to get the help that I needed to scale my business and uh, become a better entrepreneur.
1: I'm going to go ahead and move into our slow round questions, if that's cool with you. Also, introduction for this section of the podcast it is called the slow round i will say this in every single interview because i will take any chance i can get to bring up mike berbiglia and if you don't know mike berbiglia he is the greatest comedian of all time he's my favorite comedian um And he has a podcast called Working It Out, and instead of like rapid fire questions or like lightning round or whatever, he does slow round, (laughs) which I love. We have a lightning round,
0: (laughs) Uh, yeah. Oh, I love the idea of a slow round. Yeah, I want to do
1: that. Yeah, well, I totally. Jill loves the lightning round. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I mean, it's like a fan favorite. Everybody loves rapid fire, like you know, the quick questions yeah. and stuff. But... Ours aren't even
0: quick. I don't know why. We call it the lightning <laughs> round because Jill likes announcing it as the lightning round. Oh, And that wow. is it. Yeah. She just likes saying it. hmm And I like laughing at her <laughs> as she says it. But I, I'm in, eager to participate in a slow round. Cool.
1: Yeah. I'm a slow round kind of person. Everything I do is very slow. And mm-hmm. so – It fits. Okay. So, first question for the slow round What is a common myth or misconception about running an online business or a lifestyle business that you want to clear up once and for all?
0: The thing you start doing is the thing that's going to make you rich.
1: Mm. It
0: is very common that the thing you start doing isn't the thing. That you continue to do or that you do long term. And everyone thinks they have to wait till they have the perfect idea that's going to make them rich. But the thing that gets you the idea that's going to make you successful in online business, you won't be able to get that until you start. So you have to start with something. Just like, I mean, when we were talking about core offers, your core offer should not stay the same it should grow and change as you grow and change but you just have to start with some kind of core offer i think that's the biggest misconception that you have to start with a good idea hmm. start with you know start with an idea that you think could work and test it and ask around you know validate it But don't by any means believe that that's going to be the thing that makes you rich or that's the thing you're going to be doing for the rest of your life.
1: Awesome. Okay, second question. What is one of the best or most worthwhile investments that you've ever made in your business? It could be an investment of time or money or your energy, anything.
0: I think the best investment that I have made is in the – having Jill as a co-host. And I think that was a, that was an investment in of risk because when we started, I didn't know Jill very well. Like I had met her husband like 10 years before and we had become like our, my husband and, um, her and Eric, we'd all become really fast friends. Like we, we visited them in Pennsylvania when we came up with the idea for Frugal Friends so, but I didn't know her well enough to where I wanted to start a business with her, mm-hmm. you know? So when it started, I was like, okay, this was, we'll see, we'll see where this goes. It was mainly to help Eric get into podcast producing um, as, as a work career, which it absolutely did. I and mean, he's very successful like in podcasting now. That's awesome. But so- right? <laughs> that risk was everything, yeah, like taking that risk. and I don't know if that's a piece of advice I would give to people, yeah, <laughs> but it so worked out for me because I get to do what I love with someone I love who who is the perfect, like the yin to my yang. Yeah. Sort of. But we are also so similar and stuff. We're such good friends. And people are always shocked when we're we're like, oh, you you guys are actually friends. Like you hang out, not just doing the podcast. I was like, we hang out all the time. And we never post it on social uh, or anything. So that I thought I had to do everything myself to be successful. I thought that for a very long time. And it's what kept me from hiring things out from hiring a VA, editors, etc., It's what kept me from investing in courses and mentorship because I felt like I had to figure it all out on my own. And it was after starting Frugal Friends with Jill when the phrase, you can go fast alone, but you go further together, became a reality for me. So even if you don't take a chance on a business partner, Building a team is essential.
1: Mm. And it doesn't even like – do you guys have any other full-time people in your business or for the podcast or do you just have freelancers? No, we just have freelancers. Mm -hmm. So when you say team, like it can – that doesn't mean that you have to build like a multi-person company or like, Mm -hmm. you know, shoot for the stars. We're all about like low-scale – effort, low effort lifestyle business. Low effort. Here. Yeah. Yeah. For
0: sure. I don't want to have W2 employees ever. Right. Like I don't want to build a business complex enough to require that. Yeah. Um, just a few part-timers doing what they do best so that I don't have to do the things that I don't like.
1: Yeah. Amen. Social media, first thing on that list. <laughs> We actually
0: started doing more social media once we hired a social media manager, and I have to like correct that mistake that I I made for myself. Yeah, right. That's me in a nutshell.
1: How did that work? How did you end up doing more social media? Because I'm paying
0: for it, so I think I need to get my full value from it. Um, Uh huh. So, like, that's a also a lie. Um,
1: (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Last slow round question. In the last five years, what new belief, behavior, or habit has most improved your life and or business?
0: I over the past five years have been consistently breaking down my scarcity mindset. And I'm not a woo-woo person. I don't I don't do manifestation. I don't do any of that crap. But scarcity mindset is is real and is something that holds so many people back. We don't even know we have it, but believing that the pie is finite. And if I have a piece of it, somebody else doesn't get a piece of it. So that's like creates guilt and seeing somebody else have a piece of it means there's less for me. And so that creates doubt. Uh, And so I see all of uh, these things and I realized like the pie is infinite. There is no pie. Like there is there's room for an infinite more like higher number of personal finance content creators and podcasters, even frugal living podcasters with female co-hosts. Like we don't have to be the only one. If everyone just had like 500 500 to 1000 like paying raving fans. That would be great, and there's more than enough people trying to get their finances in order that we're we're short we're short staffed. Yeah, uh, here, you know, so the the pie is infinite, and just because somebody else is succeeding, a doesn't mean I have to do that. Doesn't mean I'm going to succeed doing that, um, and b doesn't mean I can't succeed doing that. Like there was really no aspiration to succeed with podcasting when we started. Because there were already like, I, in my mind, I was like, "Who's going to beat Dave Ramsey? Who's going to listen to us over Dave Ramsey?"
1: Mm. And
0: that's <laughs> such a lie. Yeah, such a lie.
1: Many people. <laughs> um,
0: right. And and so I had, you know, I had that, but also saying like, if I go for more, it doesn't mean there's less for somebody else. Yeah. So like at at a job, going for for more money, like it doesn't mean that there's less money for other people or me going for more listeners or more money like in the show in our business like asking for more on social media deals which are just shrouded in secrecy going for more doesn't mean there's less for somebody else it doesn't mean that i even deserve or am worthy of that much but it definitely like you know It's, but I am. You know, I don't have to think I'm worthy of as much as they're paying me. They just have to have the budget. Like money isn't personal in that sense. Finance, like the way you spend your money, is personal, but in business, money isn't personal. And so that's the biggest shift out of that scarcity limiting mindset that I have. um, I've really grown, I think, as a person, mostly, and how I interact with other creators too sometimes i still get like i'll look at somebody's success this is so petty like i'll look at somebody's success and be like everybody knows about them nobody knows about us yeah and also that's a lie too yeah because i keep saying like nobody knows about frugal friends but we're it's such a good podcast but nobody knows and i'm like like people know yeah (laughs) you know like people keep saying like oh your podcast is is blowing out i'm like is it Right. Is it?
1: It's hard to see from the inside. <laughs> right, what is that? There's like right. a stable. what's the it's hard to read the label from inside the bottle or whatever. Yes. Yeah. Uh, and so
0: it's all most of what's in your head is a lie when it comes to stuff like that. So that's that's why it pays to have other people in your life, peers and mentors, to tell you what is on the outside of, of label of the bottle.
1: Yeah. Yeah. For sure, have there been any practices or anything in particular that you can attribute this shift in in your way of thinking and the scarcity mindset to a lot of reading okay. um,
0: kind of just I don't even know what books, but but a lot of reading probably more online I, and doing research because it's we think first about scarcity mindset in the in terms of like asking for raises and and our spending and stuff like that. And so I was doing mostly research to help our listeners in in doing, you know, the the mentorship and the episodes. And then I kind of started to see how it was limiting me, mm-hmm. like putting the two together and then finally talking to people about my revelations and they're like, "Yeah, Jen, like you didn't see that?" and then just having them reveal more to me is is really how it came about,
1: awesome, thank you. Thank you so much for sharing all that. That was great, yeah, thanks
0: so much for having me. It was fun to to share this side of my story.
1: Hey there. It's Megan from the Beyond. Before we dive into the key takeaways for this episode, I completely forgot to ask Jen to tell you where you can connect with her. Jen, if you're listening to this, I am so sorry about that. <laughs> um, so I'm going to do that now. You can find Jen on Instagram at Modern Frugality, which is the name of her blog, modernfrugality.com. She's also on Instagram at Frugal Friends podcast, and the website for that is frugalfriendspodcast.com. And of course, you can find the Frugal Friends podcast on your favorite podcast player. Okay, now on to the key takeaways and some action items that you can take away from this episode. Key takeaway number one, you can use your network from your day job to build your business. Jen really kickstarted her whole business by using the connections that she made at her full-time job, at least for her freelance writing, right? She was working for a personal finance website, so those connections obviously made sense to build her personal finance freelance writing business, but even if your job isn't directly related to the business that you want to build, you can still use your network. And if you're like me, and the thought of being seen or putting yourself out there in front of people that you know specifically sounds absolutely terrifying, I get it. I've been known to block people that I know in real life who follow my business accounts on Instagram or TikTok, but it can be as simple as reaching out to your network with an email like, hey, I'm starting a new business offering blank services. Do you know anyone who could use my expertise? If so, I'd be forever grateful if you could put me in touch with them or give them my information, right? Simple and painless. Using your network is one of the fastest ways to grow a new service-based business. Key takeaway number two, 80% of your results come from 20% of your efforts. Jen mentioned on the show that she reached a point in her business where she was pretty much running four businesses. She was doing a live virtual retreat, a podcast, a blog, and freelance writing for clients. Each one was making money and was profitable and could have been an entire business in and of itself, but she realized that 80% of her business growth was coming from the podcast, so she let go of everything else, the YouTube and social media following that she'd built for her blog, the clients that she'd worked so hard to land, so that she could focus on the podcast. And that was also the thing that she enjoyed doing the most, right? And now she's on track to have her most profitable year yet. So what can you take away from this? Number one is that focus pays off. In the book Essentialism by Greg McCowan, I think that's how he pronounce his name, there's a graphic with two circles. I'm going to try to explain this, but stick with me here for a second. The first circle has a bunch of different arrows that are pointing out in all different directions, and those arrows represent your energy. All of the arrows in this circle are short, Because your energy is going out in a bunch of different areas, and none of those things go very far fast. And then the second circle has one long arrow coming out of it, and this represents putting your energy into one thing. Because in doing so, you can go much further, much faster. So really focusing, narrowing your focus pays off in that way. The number two thing that you can take away from this is to find your 20%. What are the 20% of your efforts that make up 80% of the results in your business? This will obviously look a little different based on the type of business that you have and what stage of your business that you're in. If you're just getting started with a service-based business, for example, then 20% of effort that will give you 80% of your results might be reaching out to your network to get new clients, like we talked about earlier, as opposed to posting on social media or writing blog posts to bring in cold leads. So those are the two things to focus on there. Number one, focus pays off. And number two, find your 20%. Key takeaway number three, people resonate with you. This one mostly applies if you have a business where you're the face of the company, if you're a blogger, a coach, a podcaster, course creator, or anything where you're the front-facing person in your business. People resonate with people. And Jen found this out when she and Jill, her co-host, started the Frugal Friends podcast. They were just trying to be goofy and funny with their Bill of the Week segment, but people loved it because they were being themselves one place you can apply this to is in how you market your business. What comes most naturally to you, and where do you feel most comfortable being yourself? Is it in writing? Then a blog or an email newsletter might be your best marketing tool. Or is it on video? Then you could try YouTube, Instagram, or TikTok. For Jen, and for me so far, it's been behind a microphone. So podcasting makes a lot of sense. Like Jen said, try all of these things, see what works for you, and when something doesn't work, don't be afraid to let it go. Contrary to what you might have heard, you don't actually have to be everywhere at once. Key takeaway number four Make sure your content has a purpose. There are two ways you can approach any content medium, and this is what Jen mentioned on the episode whether it's a podcast, a blog, or your social media. The content can be the product, so that means you make money through sponsorships, ads, affiliate marketing, etc. Or it can be your top of funnel content. Okay, so first of all, what's a funnel? Jen mentioned that on this podcast episode, and she was referring to your marketing funnel. So if you draw an upside down triangle, that's your funnel, right? At the top, you have your blog, your podcast, or wherever you create content. These are the types of content that bring people into your world, that make them aware that you and or your business exist. Then, like Jen mentioned, you can capture their email address and send them a newsletter and updates with new content, etc. So you're nurturing that relationship, you're building trust, proving that you know what you're talking about, and what you have to sell is valuable, and eventually leading them to purchase your product or service. There's a funnel acronym, AIDA, Awareness, Interest, Desire, Action. So that's kind of what Jen is referring to here. And she mentioned on the show that this is how she and Jill use their podcast, The Frugal Friends. The goal is to get people into their marketing funnel so that they can nurture that connection and lead them to their paid mentorship or their online summit, which are the main ways that they make money in their business. Now, there's nothing wrong with monetizing your content directly with ads or sponsorships or affiliate sales. That can even be your entire business model as a blogger or a niche site creator, One thing to keep in mind is that it takes more time to monetize a blog, a podcast, or your social media directly because you have to build an audience before advertisers will pay you. The faster way to make money with your content is to use it to drive people to your products and services, which goes back to something that we talked about in the episode with Pete McPherson, having something to sell first before you start creating content. Also, a lot of great takeaways in that episode. If you haven't listened to it, I highly recommend you go back and listen to that episode. Key takeaway number five. Try everything and see what you like. And if you don't like it, move on and try something else. As you can tell from Jen's story, she's tried a lot of stuff in her business, from blogging to selling courses and ebooks and freelance writing, and now podcasting. And one thing that came up in our conversation several times was this idea of, try it. If you don't like it, if it's not for you, then don't try and force it to work. Move on and try something else. This sounds simple, and maybe it is for you, but I have definitely found that it's hard to move on when you've spent so much time and effort creating a course or a service offering. Um, Or like building up your blog and your content. It can be really hard to change directions if something isn't working for you. But it's what we need to do in order to find the things that do work. That applies to different social media platforms, types of content like podcasting or blogging, and also the products and services that you sell. Give it some time, a few months maybe, and if it's not working or if you don't enjoy it, move on to the next. Key takeaway number six, you can go fast alone, but you can go further together. Having a lifestyle business doesn't mean that you have to do everything yourself. You can, and at some point you probably should, hire people to help you. That doesn't mean that you need to hire W-2 employees, but when you get to a point where you're profitable and you have money to invest in a team, then you can hire things out that you don't want to do or that don't grow your business. So use that money and hire people. (laughs) Hire people so that you can stay in your zone of genius and focus on the things that only you can do for your business. Key takeaway number seven. The pie is infinite. Jen said this is the number one new belief that has most improved her life and her business and the idea of having an abundance mindset versus a scarcity one. A scarcity mindset says things like there's not enough to go around, if I make more money that means less money for someone else, or there's only enough room for one at the top. And an abundance mindset says things like there's more than enough to go around, me making money doesn't take away from anyone else, and we can all be successful. Your mindset matters because it impacts the way that you feel and what you do in your business. If you think that there's only so much success or money to go around, then when you see someone else doing what you want to do, you might feel defeated and then not take action because someone else is already doing it. Or you might avoid networking with people in your space because you see them as competition. And that can rob you of not only new friendships, but also new opportunities. Jen said the thing that's most helped her shift from scarcity to an abundance mindset is reading books on the subject, which I couldn't agree with more. And there are two other things that have helped me that I wanted to share with you. The first one is changing the way that I speak. I no longer say things like, I can't afford that, or I wish I had her success. I try to reframe those kinds of thoughts in a more positive way, like I'm choosing to do blank with my money instead, or her success looks great on her, and I know it's possible for me too right? And you can choose whatever works for you. But generally speaking, I have learned to tune in to the things that I'm saying and change the way that I speak because your thoughts really do reflect, or your words really do reflect your thoughts and your mindset. And the second thing that I really like, an exercise that's really helped me is making a list of things that you want and making every other item on that list something that you already have. So the first item is something you want but don't have and second is something that you want and you already do have and so on. This exercise is simple and it's very similar to a regular gratitude practice but it helps me remember and get into the feeling of actually wanting the things that I already have. And that's a more abundant space to be in than wanting what we don't have. All right, that is it for this episode. Thank you so much for being here. If you liked this episode, don't forget to follow the podcast or subscribe wherever you're listening to the show. And if you really liked this episode, go ahead and leave us a review or a rating on your favorite podcast app. We would greatly appreciate it. All right, I will see you in the next episode. (laughs) Yeah <laughs>